0: The Monday rewind. What a
1: dreadful part for And Brian away! And Brian going to
2: score! We led for large parts of it, you know, we, we dominated for large parts of it, and um, we probably played more rugby than they did, but, you know, the scoreboard says different.
3: I think we deserve to go through. We're going to the final the end of May, we can't wait. I just think having belief in ourselves, I think we caused Liverpool lots of problems today. I think that's come
4: from the manager, instilled a lot of belief in the team. And I think if you look at the overall game, chances greater, I think we deserve to win the game. So
2: they've good energy in the team and you know they obviously playing with that maybe less free, you know, a wee bit more freedom, sorry. Um but no overall I thought they were they were better than us. You can't be
4: giving yourself big leave to take back like that. But you know it's a league we find it at the end of the day, and it- Still had to just thrilled to get over this one I get to a final, and I thought they showed great character even if we lost by a point or two in the end there. We were, we were, I was
5: thrilled to the second have to play.
6: Brilliantly gathered by Colin Dunford, turns, runs towards goal. Dunford from the twenty, goal for Waterford. What a finish from Colin Dunford!
5: Derek has kind of instilled a well, a, a quite a lot of belief and, a, a, a quite a lot, of suppose, resilience also. You know, but we knew that it was going to be a massive test, and we knew that we were going to get a few goals because traditionally Tipper are, are very good at creating opportunities, and you know, and putting teams away, so. We were well prepared and well aware of
7: their ability up front
6: Welcome to The Rewind, I'm Oisín Langan In there you heard from Leinster coach Matt O'Connor and their heartbreaking defeat to Toulon in the Champions Cup semi-final in Marseille as well as Aston Villa and Ireland goalkeeper Shay Given and Liverpool manager Brendan Rodgers on Villa's 2-1 win over the Reds in the FA Cup semi-final. As well as all that, there was Waterford cornerback Noel Connors on their victory over Tip and Cork manager Jimmy Barry Murphy on the win against Dublin. Coming up more on the hurling with James E. O'Connor while Billy Joe Patton previews next Sunday's Football League final between Dublin and Cork. It wasn't all bad news for Tip this weekend. They reached their first ever Airgrid All-Ireland Under-21 final Beating Dublin We'll talk to former Tip and Kildare player Brian Lacey Who watched that game And we'll hear from Desi Farrell The Dublin manager And Tip players Colin O'Riordan And Josh Keane Both were excellent In Tullamore on Saturday We'll have more on the weekend Soccer as Aston Villa Reached the cup final And Chelsea all but Sealed the title Paddy Mulligan Joins us to analyse And we put it to him That Louis van Gaal Thought that that was Manchester United's Best performance of the season What does Paddy think We'll find out later Starting with rugby though And Leinster's devastating defeat To Toulon in the Champions Cup 25-20 the score After extra time After the match Keith Wood and Liam Tolan Told off the ball How Leinster could have won But first Here's coach Matt O'Connor Speaking to Dave
2: McIntyre About why there were so many errors? I think it was conditions and I think it was the occasion. You know, it was a it was a pretty physical game of footy. There was there was, you know, two very, very committed sides going hard at it and I think that, that led to the led to the errors and, and, and made it the slugfest that it was.
1: What about that last twenty minutes where Lencer actually started to show some ambition, having ground their way into a position to win the match and ultimately it was maybe just one piece of over ambition that has cost you this match from for me
2: yeah, I mean, it was, it, was, you know, it was one of those. You see the space, you throw the pass. You, you know, you, most days it comes off and, and you get a result, but it um, wasn't to be today. Habana's you know, built a career off the back of that play and you know we, we looked at it prior to the game. We knew he was going to be in that space and you, know, you execute, it might be a 14-point turnaround.
1: What have you had a word with Ian? Or I'm sure he was absolutely devastated watching it sip away there as he was on the bench for the last few minutes.
2: Yeah, I mean he was disappointed. He was gutted. You know, he, he, nobody wants to be in that situation. But you know, he's a good footballer and he'll get over it.
1: What about the manner in which you guys targeted Toulon? It would appear to me that everything you guys had in mind and planning going into it came off, line-out, scrum. At the breakdown, you weren't pinged as often as you might have been as Toulon have done against other teams. It just seemed that everything kind of came up where you hoped it would for Lancer today.
2: Yeah, I mean, we, we were always going to come down here with the plan. You, you, you've got to against a, such a great side. And, you know, we, we got a couple of ins at, at, at set-piece. We got a couple of ins at breakdown. And you know, we just didn't get that score that probably would have knocked them out.
1: There's been a lot of pressure on you coming into this game. Did you see enough today that to convince yourself and maybe to convince people outside the camp that you are the man to bring this Leinster team forward because overall it was probably Leinster's best performance this season and at the, on the biggest stage.
2: Yeah I mean you know it's, it's not about what people say outside the environment. I don't take any notice of it to be honest and you know the, I think the, the pride and the and the commitment that the lads showed in the shirt gives you a pretty good indication of how much it means to them to play for Leinster and, and you know how badly they want to win for each other in the group.
7: We know enough about rugby now to, to create the opportunities and exploit them and for some reason Leinster felt no we're not going to do that way. We're going to play the percentages and off times. Their percentages were poor. They kicked out in full too often. They did they, a lot of errors come in. And do you know what? When those things happened, you turn around and say, "Look, Linster, you can play rugby. Why aren't you playing?" What do you suspect
4: the answer to that question is, Liam?
7: I think it's a little pre-programmed. I think that there's certainly um, a, a work, a concept of how they're playing the game that was very stunted. Um, and they ignored an awful lot of opportunity and, and they'll be going and sitting down they know that that Toulon team were there to be beaten they know that th- for all the games they've been playing in the previous weeks they're not playing particularly well but they'll know they could have asked more questions of Toulon and if they did they may have won this game but Joe I also think that there was an element in in, in almost getting suckered into playing the style of play that Toulon were playing Toulon were poor and didn't actually show any invention, didn't show anything at all or at any stage as if they were going to try and do anything. They tried to bludgeon a little but not too much. They were quite happy to, to kind of eke their way out of it. And I think Leinster played into that somewhat. And I actually think in some respects the selection played into that. I, You know, I, I, I just think Leinster look a far more threatening side when Owen Redden plays at nine and it isn't just when he comes on at the end we know his, his old legs himself and, and you know the game opens up and he maybe is able to play with that but I just think if they start with that mindset that actually do you know what we're going to have to attack a little bit more we're going to have to do a little bit more and still within it all they had opportunities to get there and uh, Madigan missed one kick but so did Lee Haffney. so I don't think you can I think you say they balanced themselves out they still got to that final and then or that final period of 20 minutes where if they actually show a bit more i mean the try they scored was a try of energy and i have to say there was a couple of times when we got sparks of energy but we never really got any sustained period of it and i think for that they'll rue rue today because toulon uh, Toulon today were uh, you know a team who expected to win and forgot to go about putting in the effort to make it happen and they eked it out at the very,
6: very end This is the Monday Rewind on News Talk and that was Keith Wood and Liam Tolan talking to you off the ball in the aftermath of Leinster's defeat to Toulon in the Champions Cup A lot more to come tonight on off the ball that's Monday night and of course they'll have Wednesday night rugby this week as well Hurling now and yesterday a dramatic couple of Alliance League semi-finals in Nolan Park as Seamus Harnady's injury time point gave Cork a one point win against Dublin despite the fact that they were 12 points down at one stage Patrick Horgan knocked over 17 points for the Rebels after the game their goalkeeper Anthony Nash spoke to us but first here's Dublin manager Jerk Cunningham on if he's worried that losing such a game will have a long-term effect psychologically. No,
2: no, no, not at all. I think hurling is, hurling, we've all sure how many times have we seen a situation where people lose lose big leads. You know, uh, you get a goal and, you know, the impact today, like they had momentum, the wind was, was a factor. You know, a couple of points here and there, and get momentum, and the goal probably was the turning point of the game, brought them right back into the game. We came back and we got a point, but, you know, a uh, couple things at the ends, maybe our decision-making wasn't the best, but uh, no, I'd have no worries about that.
8: Stapped terribly. They opened us up a bit too easy, and I suppose at halftime we were still kind of in touch um, we didn't want to drop the heads at any stage and luckily enough we got good scores, good times and just had a bit of patience to stick in there and thank God when we took the lead It was the last pocket of the game nearly so uh, it was good old timing that way Like we always believe in each other like we have a fair squad We were missing a few lads obviously today no know Dublin were missing one or two as well So um, you know look it's still the league R.E.M. Um, started year was kind of staying in Division 1 initially getting into the qualifying stages and see what happens after that So to be in the league final is it's outstanding you now
6: This is the Rewind on News Talk and that was Jer Cunningham The Dublin manager and court goalkeeper Anthony Nash on the Rebels' win over Dublin in the semi final of the Alliance League in Nolan Park. Still to come the analysis of James E. O'Connor, who tells us Dublin have to stop fading out of games. But first, Waterford manager Derek McGrath and tip boss Eamon O'Shea on the Dacia's 215 to 119 win over their neighbours. Here is Eamon O'Shea on whether or not his team deserved to lose. I thought during the week we were a little bit off. You know, you never know until the match comes,
0: that's all. You know, but uh, no, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be referencing that, you know. You know, when you lose by a point, you lose by a point. You know, you can search for all the analysis you want. When you lose by a point, you lose by a point. There's no
2: beginning or end to that statement. Really good side, you know, and in terms of... You know, I think they're really skillful. they've got a lot of energy and a lot of uh, good players. You know, and a really, really good manager, you know, who knows
0: what he's doing.
6: Derek McGrath, Waterford manager. You started the league in Division 1B. You're ending it in the final.
5: Yes, yeah, remarkable journey, if you like, and uh, very enjoyable, and I suppose it's probably a reward for all the lads hard work and um, delighted for, their, for them and their families that they put everything on hold for the last five or six months and now they're in the final against Cork, so it's a very enjoyable place. Two goals conceded early. What were you thinking then? Well I was thinking, <laughs> I was thinking they were scored in the traditional route, which is you know, breaking ball and behind, so I wasn't too worried that they weren't work through, if you like, more than anything else, but very, very happy with the reaction to the goals that we kinda of just steadied even though we were four or five points down for long periods of the first half that just th- I thought midway through the first half there was a period in the, in the game where it looked like we were getting a small bit of a grip on it and, and uh, you know I have to say delighted with the lads' uh, application and resilience to be able to come back in those, in those circumstances.
6: A league final, you want to win a national title but the fact of the matter is you've corked first up in the championship. Does that make the approach a bit odd? Does that mean you'll hold back tactically? or wh- wh- How will you approach it?
5: No, I don't, th- I don't know about the approach tactically or otherwise but we'll be approaching it with absolutely just everything we have and I think Cork will be the exact same, I think there will be separate entities, there will be separate games and they will be very enjoyable hopefully on, for everyone. You know I, th- I just felt there 67 minutes gone, we were a draw match there and we just felt it was a great place to be in, you know we were here being highly competitive with, with a, t- a team that, that were in the other than last year, albeit it's only April, you know that's the argument that people will put forward and justifiably so. so we're just, I, it was a great place to be. Like you know, on that line, even in a draw match, I didn't say. I said to the lads, it didn't really bother me what way to score would be. We're just trying to go through the process of. We're just going to through the process of, of performance and then seeing what way to score would be at the end. You know.
6: James O'Connor, former Clare hurler, we've seen two pretty amazing games here in Nolan Park. We'll start with the uh, opening match, Cork against Dublin. Cork, well down at half time, and stealing it at the end with a Harnedy point in extra time or in injury time.
9: Yeah, I suppose Dolan will probably ask themselves how they lost the game. I mean, they were 2 9 to 3 points up, I think, after 18 minutes. Um, you know, 9 points up at half time, and, and looked, I suppose, for most of the second half if they'd, you know, maybe done enough to, to keep Cork at bay. I think 6 points up, maybe entering into the, the, the latter stages. But Paddy O'Sullivan's goal really gave Cork a lifeline, and from there to the finish, um, there was really only one team minute. And I suppose, on a day when Pat Horgan got 17 points, a massive performance from Cork, uh, they showed a lot of belief to the to victory. If you lose that game, you really have to kick yourself because there's no excuse for it, is there? is there well I suppose look at the Dublin players didn't intentionally lose the game but they, they, they just somehow I suppose lost their way maybe in the second half and um, you know they were down and clear rushing in the, the, for the game in Ennis again were in a winning position they like eight points up a man up and contrived to, to lose it we all know the, the you know how impressive they were here against Kilkenny but they still looked very very shaky when Kilkenny came at them with 13 men late on and if there's you know, one worry for Jer Cunningham is was out of this league. It, it will be those kind of maybe fade-outs late in the game when you know they have maybe surrendered winning winning positions, and they certainly were in a winning position um, this afternoon. Does that happen because physically they <laughs> impose themselves so much in opposition teams? It's nigh on impossible to keep that up for 70 minutes. I think it's a combination of a number of things. Um, you know, maybe just bad decisions at particular times. Uh, I suppose the breeze was a factor as well. Um, you know, they, they they maybe, you know, just shot maybe a couple of wides at crucial at crucial stages. But I think as well that, that the number of frees that they conceded I mean Pat Horgan as said finished with I don't know, was it thirteen or fourteen points from, from place balls. Um, you know, and if, if you concede, you know, freezes that are scoreable positions to, 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 to you know free takers like that guy, he will punish you. And I just thought that there was some indiscipline defending from Dublin at times when they did concede freeze and as I said Horgan certainly was uh, was lethal today from place balls.
6: We were saying in the first half Cork's forward line is too light. While it is skillful they won't be able to win ball. But in the second half, they really grew into it, didn't they? And they used that skill
9: to, to move the ball quickly and, and get their scores. Yeah, well, there were signs, I suppose, maybe you know, just coming up to the end of the, the end of the first half, that you know, the, the Cork inside line were getting on a bit of ball, and you know, with the talent and the class they have, I mean, you know, these guys are these guys are accurate. They have finishers aplenty, um, you know. But that said, Dublin still I thought contained them pretty well. Um, I thought Keno Callaghan was in was in you know trouble with with Horgan from a long way out. I thought Paul Shute maybe should have been moved over on over on him and maybe Dublin maybe should have maybe dropped maybe an extra defender and um, an extra defender back but I, I think you have to give credit to cork too for you know the belief that they that they showed i mean you know they never looked as if they had considered position you know irretrievable or the, or the, or the game lost they stuck with it and this was got their rewards in the end
6: now what about the second game waterford looked down and out at half time well not down and out they were three points down but it looked like if tip kind of up their intensity again and started doing what they were doing early in the game to cut Waterford apart that Waterford couldn't stay with them but however Waterford did it they 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 stopped tip doing that and got enough scores despite Playing a, a fairly defensive system themselves.
9: Yeah, well, they, they really got to grips with Tip. Um, to be honest about nasty Russian nasty after nasty that opening opening salvo, when you know I suppose um, Bonner got the first goal and, and Tip really was carved them open right. for a super, superbly constructed and executed and finished second goal. But but after that, um, you know, it was as if Tip switched off and Watford was yep. worked incredibly hard all over the field. I mean, Jamie Barron had a massive game in the middle of the field. I thought Philip Mahoney was outstanding in the half back line, and Tip just suddenly just just seemed to struggle to to, to break down as Watford's defensive defensive system. But that shouldn't have come as any surprise to the Tiberi players. I mean, we knew what way we Watford were going to set up. Um, it was, as I said, no secret that they were they, they, they were going to set their stall out the way they the way they did. But, you know, Bubbles struggled to make any impression today. Um, Callan had a second defender, suppose, sitting in front of him. I suppose, Noel gray obviously wasn't, wasn't available. Lara wasn't, uh, wasn't on the field. And, you know, if there's a worry for him, it's maybe, you know, how easily contained the rest of the Tiberi attack were. Um, I thought Maher when, when he moved to midfield um, late on, you know, along with Porik Maher, um, you know maybe could have retrieved the game for for, for Tipperary, but you know Watford just wanted it more. Um, probably outworked and out Tipperary today, and were full value for the win for the finish. Talk to me about Porik, man.
6: He stayed really cool under pressure, knocked over ten uh, points from place balls. But also control the forward line well, and they had to use the ball very cleverly, Waterford, because again we, we mentioned it—they they don't have a whole lot of numbers up there.
9: They don't, and I still—that's t- still, you know, very much a work in progress. I, I still thought that they, they, you know, their use of the ball at times, you know, when they only have maybe, you know, one guy isolated up front, um, it's something that they, they need to work on because, you know, the, the service to that inside man, um, you know, wasn't what it should have been at times. But if that's something they, they, they you know, they can develop and. Devise a strategy for making better use of the, 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 the ball when they have it. Um you know th- they could potentially be a match for anybody and these guys are coming us as well with an underage pedigree. You know, they've they've won at Ireland colleges or Hartley Cup medals in Munster. They've some of them have you know at Ireland minor medals and um you know and, and, and they have the belief and the confidence that you know from those victories. So this is a team, you know, very much on the up and um, huge Philip for Waterford hurling uh, you know to have that uh, to have that league final outlook look forward to.
6: This is the Monday rewind on News Talk. Remember you can contact us throughout the week on Monday Rewind at Newstalk.com Still to come more football including Billy Joe Patton on the Football League final next Sunday between Cork and Dublin and we reflect on Tips All-Ireland under-21 semi-final victory over Dublin First though the weekend's soccer with former Chelsea Crystal Palace and Ireland defender Paddy Mulligan Paddy, Aston Villa beat Liverpool 2-1 in the FA Cup semi-final at Wembley Um, Brendan Rogers, the Liverpool manager says that uh, Villa deserved it they were the better team would you agree with those sentiments?
0: Oh totally. From the very from from the kick off Ocean, um Aston Villa were so superior. They closed people. Uh, they closed Liverpool players down. They hunted in packs. Uh, they got on the ball. Delta midfield, especially, got on the ball. Uh, Jack Grealish was getting on the ball as well, and they were far more creative. Benteke was causing all sorts of problems because he was making runs right across the back four. Then he was dropping. He was dropping deep on occasions, and uh, it just caused uh, Liverpool an awful lot of problems. And there was a vibrancy about their play, where Liverpool were totally static for the whole game. They took the lead uh, through Coutinho. Uh, albeit with 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 a deflection of a Villa defender, but um, they didn't deserve to be one 0 up. Uh, and then when Villa equalised after six minutes, Liverpool uh, football team just they they can't hold on to a lead. You've got to hold on to a lead for the, the next ten minutes. is going to be vital after you, after you score a goal, and they can never do that. But it's very rare that they do it. But certainly in the big important games uh, against the top teams in the Premiership and in big cup games. They just seem to fold, so that's 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 a, that's an area that Brendan Rodgers or whoever is going to be the manager there is going to have to address and address it very quickly because it's becoming a bit of a laugh now at this stage. I didn't really fancy Liverpool yesterday because I saw them. I've seen them over the I've seen them all season, but I saw them in the past few weeks, particularly against Arsenal, United, and Newcastle. Although they beat Newcastle. They were appalling uh, last month. Newcastle were bad, but Liverpool were even worse again. You expect more from a Liverpool team, but he hasn't bought well last summer, so. Uh, will he get the, Will he get the dreaded call from Mister Henry to go to Boston and uh, like Kenny Dalglish did, and will he get his marching papers or or what's going to happen there? It's going to be it's going to be very interesting. Uh, Jack Grealish, I thought, uh, played very very well. I mean, you look at what Sterling, the way Sterling is behaving at Liverpool Football Club. Well, then you just wonder, you know, I, oh, I know who the best young player on the pitch was yesterday, and, and that certainly was not Raheem Sterling.
6: We'll come back to Sterling in a moment, but uh, you mentioned it there, and Brendan Rodgers mentioned it himself that they had no energy and the word you used was vibrancy. Now, was that because of the personnel they picked? Was it because of the tactics? Was it because of the formation what was it or was th- it just that Villa were just that better that bit better
0: Villa, Villa are a good team but they're still struggling against relegation and they could be relegated that's the position that they find themselves in so Villa are not that great of a team that they, could, that they should be able to outplay uh, a Liverpool team with the likes of Gerrard in it but I do feel that Liverpool are very very weak in midfield I thought Gerrard was way off the pace yesterday even though he's playing a bit of a holding over he was way off the pace uh, uh, Joe Allen is all over the place uh, you have Markovic on the right, so I mean there there's there's two players in in, in Joe Allen and Markovic shouldn't even be on the pitch. You've got Chan at, 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 in a in more as a a right central defender or uh, um, centre back or fullback, and he can't defend. And the basic principle of, of a defender is to go and defend. He was really at fault for the two goals. He allowed players run past him for the first goal and he did the very same thing for the second goal. So he's not, and he's done it quite a few times this season, so he's not learning or Brendan Rodgers isn't learning or somebody in the coaching staff is not showing him how to defend. And Moreno can be a loose cannon at left back. So the personnel of Liverpool is not as great as an awful lot of people think that it is. And they're not as good at players because he's paid, he paid £25 million for Lovren. And Lovren has had a, a disaster season. So they've, they've got an awful lot of thinking to go and do. But take nothing away from Villa. Villa, for me, were by far the better team yesterday. And 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 Tim Sherwood, so far, has done a reasonable job there. But, I mean, he, he's, he's after turning their season into in an FA Cup final that they haven't been in since 2000. And I remember the last time they won it. You're too young to be remembering stuff like this. 57 and, and that great Northern Ireland international, Peter McParland, uh, got, got the two goals. Uh, in that final. So I mean Villa are are a club with huge tradition. Um what, what I'm annoyed about uh Villa is the way the chairman the owner has been carrying on. It's up for sale it's not up for sale. There's you know there's no degree of certainty of what's going to happen at Aston mm. Villa. you don't know who's going to be going there. And then of course the the the, the weird appointment as I I saw it, of Roy Kane as an assistant there well that that spelled that was doomsday as far as I was concerned. I was, I was amazed at Villa took him, but not amazed that Paul Lambert was involved in the in the situation either. So they've got they've uh, they're in a very very good position now. But they've got a nice handy game now next Saturday against Man City. Uh, at the had so we'll see what we'll see what they're made of next early. Not that not the city or any great shakes uh, either, but we'll just see what Villa are made of. So it's going to be it's going to be a tough you know last six or seven games for uh, for Villa. He's called tactics
6: Tim, but has he made a difference in a tactic sense, or is it just the typical case of players oppressed by a orig- regime? Oppressed is possibly the wrong word, too strong a word, and then it changes, and all of a sudden they get this kind of sense of freedom. And that looks to be the case with the likes of Penteke and, and, and Grealish as well, although now Grealish is getting the chance to start and to play where he, you know whereas he didn't get that chance under under Paul Lambert
0: yes and, and, and what it can be it's a different voice it's a different way of doing things uh, Tim, uh, Tim uh, Sher would be a very uh, vibrant character and he, he wouldn't be shy on what he would have to say but I also think he would put an awful lot of responsibility onto the players shoulders that you go out and you go and express yourselves and we'll see where this takes us and that can work Brian Clough was a master of doing stuff like that so that can, that can, that can very easily work and especially with players as you quite rightly say were oppressed from the, from the, from the previous regime um, under, under Paul Lambert, he would say, like, right? they can go and ex- express themselves, and there's an expression of, of, of confidence, an expression of feeling uh, for, for the club and for the game, and people just go and, and and go, just go and say, you go and play, and you know what you're, you're, you're yeah. best at doing, so you go and do that to the very best of your ability, and sometimes that can work. Now I think it's a very short term way of getting results, but right now it, it, it doesn't matter. Once he gets the results at the end of the season, they stay in the Premiership. If they're in a cup final, they might they might easily go on and win it. So I mean, he he will have he will have earned his corn in the in the few months that he's been there. Arsenal weren't particularly impressive in beating Reading in their semi, were they? No, and Arsenal are Arsenal are up and down like yo-yos. They, they've uh, they've got a, They've got a smashing team. They've got some very very skillful techn- technically gift, uh, gifted players. Because would spring to mind straight away. Ozil is a bit of an enigma, and that you never know what you're going to get from. Uh, by and large, thus far, it's been bad. Giro uh, hit, a, hit a great streak there over a period of games where he scored in goals for fun um, but they still are a very very dangerous thing. they may have taken Reading for granted which is a very dangerous thing to go and do in any game but they they may have, and I'm, making, I'm not making excuse for them. If they did take them for granted, well then they were very wrong to go and do so. And Wenger was wrong to allow that creep into the camp, yeah. because a championship team is always very very dangerous. I know to my cost back back uh, years back when I played, and and, and you you'd play a you play a second division team and you could be dumped out of like Orient famously uh, dumped uh, Chelsea out, out of the cup um, in the early '70s, and and uh, it, was, it was a disaster. It's three two at Brisbane Road, but the, it, it can happen. Uh, but Arsenal Arsenal are a decent team. He needs. I always feel he needs a few more players. I think he definitely needs a goalkeeper. He's, he's needed that for years, and he needs more defenders. He needs more, and he needs. He needs. A, he needs a striker. Yeah. Um There's no question about that. Um How Mertesacker has won a World Cup medal with uh, with Germany is absolutely beyond me because I think he's a walking disaster. Kuchelny isn't isn't too much better. They got rid of our Malin who can't get into the Barcelona team. So, but having having said all of that. um they're they're still they're still a formidable outfit and and I think that Wenger is the best manager that Arsenal could have, because uh, what what you're looking at is the fact that maybe like the Jurgen Klopp now is on the uh, is on the market. Would you want him at, at uh, as an Arsenal manager? I don't think so because I think he's I think he's 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 a bit of a he's a bit of a lunatic in in, in many ways, and considering that Dortmund are the eleventh richest club in the world. He hasn't done he, uh, Bearing that in mind He hasn't done very well there He's only won one league And got to a Champions League Do you think thing That he's taken a, An so,
6: average sized club Quite far is, is a false myth They're actually quite a big club oh, And he hasn't delivered to they're, Considering they're, how big they actually are
0: Yeah they're a very big club And I mean if, yeah. For argument's sake if, if we were to go to city He's walking into the valley of death If you, if you go to city I mean uh, Mancini was being blamed For everything Left, right and centre Pellegrini's been blamed For left, right and centre But the players Have been disgraceful both Under Mancini and Under Butler Green. Now, whether that's the uh, the manager's fault, whether he, he didn't catch catch hold of some of the the cheekier players in in, in the yeah. group, like the likes of Yaya Arturi, just for instance, who decides to play when he wants to play. You know, what can the manager do about that? And also, are, is the manager allowed to manage? Because these days you've got football directors, you've got you've got directors who who own the club who come in and say, "I want him in the team." That's crazy Sophie Either you appoint either you appoint a manager or you don't appoint a manager. One or the other. Let the directors go and look after the club. If that's the uh, look after the team. If that's the case, I don't think they. I don't think they get very very far. And a word on
6: your previous team, Chelsea. They're ten points clear now following their one 0 win against Manchester United. Louis Van Gaal says it was one of United's best performances of the campaign so far, despite the result and despite the fact that they were missing a few players. What did you make of those comments?
0: If Louis Van Gaal is happy with that performance, well, then he's very easily pleased. I think that United did a lot better than they have been doing, but they played an awful lot of uh, they they had an awful lot of possession, but played it square and back an awful lot of the time, and and I think there were only about two threats in in, in the in the game for United. That was Falcao's uh, miss at the end when he hit the uh, the outside of the of the crossbar, mm. and in the first half when Shaw made a great run down the left, pulled the ball back to Rooney, and instead of hitting the target, he hit it he hit it painfully wide. Now they were talking about all the crosses that they got in yes but all the crosses they got in they were never picking a Man United player out and there were 9 and uh, and 10 Chelsea players that's the way Mourinho sets up his team back there defending so the ball naturally enough was going to go to a Chelsea player but the one time they did pick somebody out and the aforementioned Shaw making the run pulling the ball back to Rooney you know, he really should have got it on target. And that's what they needed to do. And they didn't do an awful lot, didn't do enough of that. Mm. And also, I mean, Mata could have, know, could, could have done an awful lot more. I know that Terry came through Falcao and it's it, it six of one and a half a dozen the other. Was it a foul? I think that Falcao should have been an awful lot braver and, and, and held his ground and made sure that he's Terry, not a
6: small man, is no, he? No,
0: and made sure that Terry didn't come through him so easy, as easy as he did. Mm. And then Mata decided uh, to let Hazard uh, go run, run past him. And, and and never made any, never made any move. And then when you, you, you if you if you see it again, you see oh I should have gone there. It's too late. And that's that's a big fault in Mattis in, in Matter's game. So I, I thought that Chelsea um, deserved to go and win it. And yes, to a degree, United did play an awful lot uh, an awful lot better than what they have been doing. But if you if it said six months ago that United could play. Uh, um, the way they've been playing the past few games you say no this isn't going to happen because they're they're mm. too far behind and, and uh, they, they, they've got too many they've got too many problems and they still have an awful lot of problems they still have an awful lot of problems defensively and, and in midfield especially even allowing for the fact that players were out the other day but they they, they still have, have have problems, and they're going to have to address those problems. They're going to have to probably get rid of Van Persie and maybe maybe one or two more as well. I heard it said on Match of the Day. I think it was
6: Phil Neville, might have been uh, Robbie Savage. One of them said anyway. Phil Neville was it? Hmm. Okay, About a Hazard that he's dragged Chelsea through since Christmas.
0: Yeah, but the the, the system has dragged Chelsea through. Yeah. Well, Chelsea have not played well since Christmas. Let's be we, let's be very clear about that. But what they do is they eat out results, hmm. and the system that he plays. They make them very, very difficult to score against. Now, I also heard Phil Neville say that he hates the way that Chelsea play. And Gary Neville was alluding to it as well in match commentary. Well, these are the very two people who classed uh, when, when, when uh, Chelsea went to Anfield mm. at the end of last season. The scupper, whatever chance Liverpool had of winning the league. It was a masterclass from Mourinho now the same masterclass was evident again last Sunday or last Saturday evening I should say but just because that was Man United and their two former Man United players they say oh no, no this isn't the way that we would like to play football look at Mourinho has never. Is it even more defensive though now? I mean, it is more defensive. That's the way He he, he picks pick Zouma and Matic in midfield, who are just destroyers. Now, Matic I think, is a very very good player, and he's he's like the, the Claude Makélélé. He do, he does a wonderful job for Chelsea. But look, they've got a, they've got a, a back four that give nothing away. Cal Terry, uh, Aspalukheda and and Ivanovic, and then they've got Czech sitting on the bench. And 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 Courtois in goal. Now the the one failing that they have is they've nobody up front. Yeah, and it, it'll be amazing that they'll win the league. I should imagine at this stage that uh, without really having an out and out, an out striker, because Costa has been out injured more often than not, and yet he scored around nineteen goals. So if if they can get him somehow uh, somehow fit again, but that's a that's a problem for them because he has this hamstring injury that's been ongoing for a few years, and that has to be a huge concern now at this stage. Drogba will do the best that he can, which, which he did last uh, last Saturday. He made Paddy McNair look a world beater last Saturday. So, Drogba's days are, are are well gone. But he's he's been a, he's been a wonderful player. Uh, Remy Remy again is forever injured, so maybe Liverpool were right not to not to take him.
6: Okay, Paddy Mulligan, thanks for joining us.
0: Pleasure indeed, Ocean.
6: This is the Monday Rewind on News Talk. Back to GAA now in Billy Joe Padden, ahead of the Allianz League final next week between Cork and Dublin in Croke Park. Uh, Billy Joe, Alan Brogan made a point-scoring return for Dublin in a challenge game over the weekend. They drew 116 apiece with uh, Galway up in uh, scary's Harps. I imagine, quite simply, Dublin will be just glad to have him back.
4: Definitely. I think that's very much what they're looking for. And I think if, they had, if their circumstances were different throughout their... League campaign so far they mightn't be so eager to have him back because we've seen them in the past have a lot of strength up front and really they just haven't been firing on all cylinders up front as they have in the last couple of years in this league campaign. So to get him back and his ability, his speed and even his ability as a playmaker to open up a bit of space for other players will be important. Now whether they decide to use him at the weekend that will all depend on, I suppose, on what sort of shape he's in and, but maybe he'll be able to make an impact coming off the bench or something like that
6: do they need to come up with a plan to work around Alan Brogan or can they kind of slot him into the current plan and just hope it works better because they've just looked that little pass short or that little bit of incisiveness short and maybe Brogan will bring whatever that little bit is.
4: Well, the thing about Alan Brogan is that I think he's a very versatile forward. You know, he's a very pacey player now. whether he still has that pace as he's getting older and he's very good on the ball. So you can slot him in maybe in a half-forward role and he can play-make, but if he still has that sharpness and that pace, maybe he could do 10, 15 minutes for you in closer to goal, where Dublin have really kind of struggled to get people going in their full forward line. And If he could do 10, 15 minutes in there, Jim Gavin would be delighted about that. If not, you still could see him making a bit, uh, you know, an contribution out around the half-forward line.
6: Have we been too negative on Dublin throughout the course of the
8: league?
4: I think we have, from the point of view that, they, as we've just spoken about, they haven't been firing on all cylinders up front, but they've done really well at the back. If, if you ask me the thing that they've improved on, and maybe the thing that they've focused on most in, in their, throughout their preparation so far, has been you know, being more solid at the back. And that has definitely been the case. They've been probably the most impressive team defensively in the National League. They've only conceded, conceded very few goals and given away very few goal scoring opportunities. So they'll be very, very happy about that. And maybe that's all part of Jim Gavin's plan. Maybe he knows that come the summer they'll be able to put a bit more time into their forward play. And as the ground gets harder and the ball starts moving faster and, and they spend more time in Co. Park, that those scoring opportunities will come and they'll be able to take them when it really matters in the Championship.
6: And some would say that Monaghan and Derry have shown teams, and maybe done the goal last year as well in that semi-final, they've shown teams how to handle Dublin. But was it a case in the semi-final that, that Monaghan just played extremely well and that if any team with the talent that Monaghan do and other teams have talents as well, if they play that well, of course they'll give Dublin a rattle. There's no kind of, there's no kind of secret to unlocking Dublin and what Monaghan did.
4: No, but uh, so you still have to fall inside that they didn't win. And I think it gives you your best opportunity to beat Dublin to play that way. We've seen that with Donegal in the past, that you, have, you cannot play an open game of football and park against Dublin because they will just cut you to shreds. And if you give yourself the chance of being defensive and being a counter-attacking team, And then you can hurt Dublin. That's the difference with Derry and Monaghan this year. They weren't able to really hurt Dublin. And to do that, you need to score goals. Whereas Donegal last year in the Championship, they're such a good counter-attacking team that if they get a chance, they'll usually get forward and score goals. And that's how you beat Dublin. And unfortunate for Derry and Monaghan is that they just haven't been able to get the goals when they've created the counter-attacking opportunities against Dublin.
6: Now Cork are Dublin's opponents in the final next Sunday. What have you made of uh, Cork in the league so far?
4: I think they've been very impressive. Probably the most impressive team, considering that the, the difficult schedule they had. You know, traveling away to Ulster four times, and, and not only that, they've seemed to integrated a couple of new players and a new couple, of, a new system. You know, they haven't been, uh, it hasn't been brilliant every day. You know, against Mayo down at Cork who were quite poor, but they still got the win. They conceded you know 19 scores against Donegal last week. That that's something that any defensive structure will look upon and say we got to be better in that in that situation. But I think that have the players to play a more counter-attacking game plan. In the, over the last couple of years they have conceded too much and if they can implement it effectively for long periods of a game they have the scoring power in O'Neill and Hurley that we, and the, the ability to get goals that can hurt any team and I think that's the best recipe for their success later on in the summer and indeed this weekend.
6: O'Neill and Hurley, how do you play them? Because we saw them mm. ripping Gold to shreds last week but you wonder exactly how well Donegal were set up given that their focus is on the championship is it about getting the ball into them is it about them coming out to the ball I mean how do you actually line up Cork's talents because that's that's been the pr- problem in the last couple of years That you know this team and you can say this team has actually changed in the last couple of years and last couple of seasons have only won one All-Ireland when people say they should have more
4: Yeah I think uh, they should have probably had more during that but there's a lot of new players in this team Albeit the likes of Cadigan and O'Neill are, are still there and they're showing the leadership that's required. Um, I think in order, Hurley and O'Neill have been so impressive. And when Cork do drop numbers back and play on the counter attack, you know, it, it sets up a perfect situation if Hurley and O'Neill have space to play into because they're both very good ball runners. They can win the ball out in front, they can win a 50 50 ball, they can kick from long range points, and then they have a goal scorer's instinct when they get closer to goal. So they're really hard to handle. And I think the only way that you can nullify those guys is if you get numbers in around them. So you're talking about getting three and four men in around those two guys. That if they beat the first man, that there's another defender there to put pressure on them to stop the long-range shot or to stop them taking on their man and getting in for a goal opportunity. So that'll be a key uh, thing for Dublin because you really don't want to leave them in one-on-one situations because if they can get the ball in in their hands, they're very, very dangerous.
6: And Dublin's team ideally set up to deal with that because for all the talk of Dublin coming up against blankets they're not afraid to drop players back themselves
4: No and as I said earlier on that's the thing that's been most impressive for me uh, about this Dublin team throughout this league campaign is how they've got players back and, and they've defended really well as a unit and it's a 15 man game and, and they've asked players that are you know have players that have a lot of attacking attributes whether it be Michael Darr McCauley when he played definitely Paul Flynn and Jeremy Connolly when they played even Dean Rock, when he stayed in the half-forward line, to get back and help out and you know, plug a few holes in their half-back line and defend. And it really has helped their full back line, and it has given them a lot of protection. And it is, I suppose the one thing you notice about Dublin defenders is that they're aggressive in the tackle, and they try and create the turnovers quickly. And once they've had that extra protection of some of the forwards coming back, helping them out, they've, you know, they've had the confidence to go and really engage and try and create that turnover, and they've done it really well in certain games.
6: And just before I let you go, Armagh, your own... Well, the, the the county you live in with, say, <laughs> um, yeah. they're in the Division 3 final. Very important that they got back up because I suppose for Divisions 4, 3 and 2, this is just a, a good extra game to have, but the, the the important work has already been done in getting promoted.
4: Yeah, both Armagh and Fermanagh were very impressive, particularly in the early stages of the league. And you could see that their focus was on getting back up to Division 2 and uh, they did that job really efficiently uh, uh, they kind of had it wrapped up with a two two weekends to go really in the league and then this is a one off game it's a good chance for uh, particularly for man to get experience playing in co park our uh, armagh lads had that experience and a couple of good games there last season so they'll be glad to get back there and but armagh will really be looking to push on and show that they can be a force in the Ulster championship by you know getting one over on man here they're a stronger team they should be good enough to beat them and they should be able to show that in the wide open space of the Co Park, and that will give them a good lift going into the Ulster in Championship.
6: And tradition dictates that I ask uh, for a um, prediction for the Division One final.
4: You know what? I'm going to go with Cork. I think they'll want it that bit more. I think Dublin really haven't been that focused on the league, and it just shows how good they are that they've, you know, haven't really been that focused. They still managed to find themselves in the league final. But I, I think Cork. This, With the new players and your management teams only in their second year, they'll be really looking to get some silverware. So I'm going to go with Cork. I think they'll be able to get the goals that they require to beat Dublin. And I think that they might just be a bit better defensively than they were last weekend.
6: Billy Joe Padden, thank you very much. This is the Monday Rewind on News Talk. And what a weekend it was for Tipperary, who beat Dublin to reach the All Ireland under 21 football final against Tyrone who beat Roscommon over the weekend let's get the analysis of former Tip and Kildare star Brian Lacey who'll also talk to us about uh, Kildare and where they're, they're at remember they were relegated uh, to Division 3 first though it's the under 21 game and Dublin manager Desi Farrell and the Tip pair of Colin in the midfielder and forward Josh Keane I started by asking Josh what reaching this All-Ireland final means to him and his fellow players and, and maybe even Tipperary football
3: at large it oh, means a lot we trained there for last Since October, November, all the hard work and the run in the mud came after the the fitness took us over the line there the last 10 minutes. Proved us. We were good enough to get there. Certainly good enough to get there. The better team won, Desi Farrell, admitted that. It was your ability to win the
6: breaking ball
3: that maybe separated you from Dublin today. Would you agree with that, Colin? Uh, Yeah, look, we... um, we focused a lot before the match on the breaking ball, and we done a lot of a lot of work on it in the last week there in training. To be honest with you, Cork destroyed us like on the breaking ball, and we knew we had to step up. I think the lads, in fairness, and wing backs, wing forward, Josh beside me here, they stepped up to the plate. They like it's the breaking ball is all about hunger, and I think the boys were very hungry today. And to be honest with you, you could have put any team out in front of us today, and we I think we would have bet them. there was just that much hunger in the team. Josh, early in the game, he created chances, but you didn't take a whole pile. Was
6: there? maybe some nerves or was it the wind? Why was that and how did you settle back into the game?
3: Uh, there was a strong stir uh, kind of curling wind there. It was hard, hard to shoot and go and they were putting a lot of pressure on us as well when we got inside. So we knew if we, we were calm and collected in the second half we knew the points were. We thought we were well good enough in, the, in uh, half time to take the lead and push on. Colin, what does this mean to you? Because I suppose you were injured on the
6: run into the Munster final. You played, played very well. Now you're through to an All-Ireland final. Is this proof that you know, that all our minor title wasn't a flash in the pan and the Tipperary football overall is in a
3: good place. Yeah, look, under-age, Tip football's in a massively good place and there's, there's unbelievable lads over, there's driving there, there's young lads coming out for trial matches under 14, there's 60, 70, 80 young lads and that's unheard of in tipped, Like, and it's just the structures were put in place, I think, by by the, by the whoever put them in place there, um, I think it was six or seven years ago and they're starting to reap rewards. I think we're the first... We're the first group of players who actually who actually came with this this new structure in Tip football, and then um, look, I think at the moment, anyway, it's starting to reap the rewards. There's no cup in the dressing room yet. Dizzy Farrell, Dublin manager, um, Tip. I guess just a better team on the day.
7: Yeah, um, I think we can have no qualms. Um, you know, the, probably our, our performance overall um, wasn't what we would have hoped, and um, I think definitely Tip were the better team on the day, and. Uh, they just had the know-how and creativity to get the scores uh, when they were needed, and we struggled. You know,
6: Brian Lacey, former Tipperary and Kildare footballer, Tipperary beat Dublin in the All-Ireland semi-final, 14 points to 12, and you can't say that they didn't deserve it.
10: Exactly, Oisín. Yeah, God, uh, going into it, the bookies had Dublin mad favourites, and after winning the 2012 All-Ireland final and uh, being very strong the last couple of years, winning the 21 last year, Dublin were... Come in here as favours, but she's a fantastic effort, a fantastic game of football. It started off stuttery by both sides. Both sides were a bit nervous, but uh, as the game went on, Tipperary were probably at the end of it. Probably just deserved that they played better. Uh, they played better against the wind than Dublin, and Dublin didn't play well, uh, good enough with the wind. I thought uh, in the second half, I thought Tipperary. Worked very well in the middle third and Colin Reardon and uh, Stephen O'Brien were just outstanding along with Ian Fahey. They grabbed the ball this game by the scruff of the neck. Uh, Defence were, were outstanding as well. Evan Comerford, his kickouts were exceptional. And from one to, from two to seven, um, they closed down that front three Dublin threat, which was which was excellent. And look, the game was the game was inches away at certain times from swaying in different ways and in defense i thought there was a couple of times where Car- Costello was only one step away from burying a goal but there was excellent decisions made by the the Tipperary full back line and it's the same at the other end tip could have got a goal or two but i think overall tipperary were the better team uh, Dublin didn't get enough mo- d- enough ball in the middle third like they did in the Leinster Championship and they didn't have a platform to-, to get quality ball into their full forward line and that probably was the difference between the two teams.
6: Did the experience of many of the tip players tell? A lot of them have All-Ireland medals in minor grade but they've also played a lot of senior football very young. Some of these guys are in their second and third season with the tip seniors.
10: Yeah, certainly, yeah. Look, you can play all the year senior you want. But you still have to have experience beating a Dublin, a Kerry, or Cork, and those guys have done it at whatever level it is. And uh, they, like, what was striking was when Dublin went three points up in the second half, and Colin Reardon went up and got a point, and he turned around and went up to the crowd, and all the crowd got involved, even probably neutrals as well, because they were looking forward to a, to a game of it. And uh, and basically from there, then the other guys took that leadership from Colin, and basically. And, and got a few nice scores and guys like Kevin O'Holler and then started to get the momentum. He's a confidence type yeah. player and when he got that, he was lethal as well. Now, this team will keep a cool head going into the All-Ireland Final,
6: whether it's against Roscommon or against Tyrone. Those two play in Sligo a little bit later on. How important is that, keeping a cool head for this tit team? Because we even saw it here this evening. They, they celebrated a wee bit with their fans and their family. But then I saw them walking off into yeah. the dressing
10: room as if to say, this is normal, let's yeah, focus. Exactly. Will Tipperary have an advantage over, I suppose, Tyrone and uh, and Roscommon or any other counties in that respect? Because down in Tipperary, they can go about their business. You know, There's not going to be massive support at, at Tipperary football matches. And there won't be massive pressure on them, which there is in other counties. So that's going to help them. But Tommy Toomey is a grounded guy my own club at home tommy's an excellent football brain he'll have he'll be pointing out the threats of whoever wins between Roscommon and Tyrone and he'll be he'll be drilling that into the guys and he'll be getting them ready for an All-Ireland final. He was involved in 2011 as well when they won the, won the All-Ireland final. How much does this mean
6: to you as someone who had to go and play with another county to get top-class football? Football wasn't taken seriously although there were some serious footballers in the county.
10: Oh, it's, as a Tipperary man I'm delighted to see. Look I, I love to look when you when you're growing up these guys here like w- winning today like they they would have grown up watching Declan Brown and Derry Foley Peter Lambert and Philly Ryan and guys like that and and they would have seen them you know getting some sort of success they're yeah. nearly doing it or winning a Tommy Murphy cup and yeah. things like that
6: drawing against Cork in the championship Shop- said, and yeah. championship it's and fun, and, yeah. and
10: and having Kerry on the line back in the late 90s a couple of times so they've grown up seeing that and uh, uh, it's, I, feel, I feel great for them yeah unfortunately we never got as a Tipperary player and we never got to play in an All-Ireland final and that's why you've got to enjoy it as well when you do get there and look the main thing is hopefully the Tipperary support now gets behind them for the final because that's what they're going to need
6: Just before I let you go you are a former Kildare player as well would you worry about Kildare they're down to Division 3 now
10: I wouldn't worry about all actually uh, it, because I, I, there's a serious talent of players coming through the last three minor teams have been very strong 21 level the last couple of years have been very strong so I think you saw with Common going back to division three then two years they're back up to division one so I think a lot of guys they lost to the Aussie rules as well but I think Kildare have the structures they have the support and they have the the players to, to, to come back and I wouldn't be surprised if, if, if Kildare get a good run in the championship actually I think a couple of weeks away hard train and they work hard if they get over leash. It's like they go in to play Dublin with no pressure. And if they if they beat Dublin or get a good performance against Dublin, then, you know, it's it's all good for the future. But they have some excellent players. I would imagine Jason will look at the Neil Flins and Ryan Houlihan and guys like this now from the 21s.
6: That was former Tipperary and Kildare footballer Brian Lacey speaking to me in Tullamore after Tipperary had beaten Dublin 14 points to 12 in the Airgrid All-Ireland Under-21 semi-final. A surprise to some but not to those who had seen Tipperary play this year and who had followed Dublin as well because their form wasn't great. This is the Monday Rewind on News Talk. I'm Oisín Langer. Remember, you can contact us on mondayrewind at newstalk.com. We'd love to hear from you at any stage throughout the week. Raf Diallo of Team 33 and Off the Ball is with us. Raf is here to talk about the Champions League uh, games on Tuesday and Wednesday of this week. Raf, good day to you. Uh, Hello, how are you? Well, we'll start with Tuesday. Um... Barcelona taking on Paris Saint Germain. There's three one up going into this one, and it's hard to see anything but the Barca
8: win or passage to the semis here, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, based on the first game as well, where you know Barcelona, well Barcelona were fairly impressive, you know, and their front three, I think, lead little introduction. You know, the, the you you've got your Messi's, your Neymars, your Suarezes, and they just outclassed PSG the last time. So I wouldn't, you know, at home as well, and with a two goal gap. I can't really see it going any other way and particularly based on you know the the results they've had over PSG over the years. Barca have generally come out on top bar I think about one exception. So I would think it's a job over, job done.
6: Yeah, but Zlatan has something to prove and he'll believe he can bring his team through. Now, if he believes that Will the other players believe it? Or is it a case that Zlatan will come back in and will actually be quite divisive, as talented as he is? Maybe he's seen as the, the big ego and guys don't like
8: him. Well, he is the big ego and I think he'd admit it himself. But, you know, he, there's often be, it's often been said that himself and Cavani don't really see eye to eye and there's little issues like that. But I, whether he comes back or not, I can't really see his presence alone being enough to topple Barcelona, especially at the new Camp and especially with the weapons Barcelona have and the gap particularly the gap is the most important thing.
6: Now the most interesting tie that night is not actually Barcelona Paris Saint-Germain it's Bayern Munich against FC Porto and TV3 actually changed their schedule to show this. They were going to show the second leg of the Barca game. Bayern 3-1 down going into this one. They are at home.
8: They are at home and but you know there's so many things that have come out since uh, since that 3-1 defeat obviously I don't know if you heard about the medical team yeah. and the uh, their, their long-time club doctor leaving because it was he seems to see the defeat kind of being blamed on him, or at least that Guardiola implied that uh, defeat was down to the work of the medical team. And fair enough, they have a lot of injuries. You know, Ribery was out, Robin was out, Alaba was out. There's a couple of others as well. So there is a bit of an injury crisis, but I don't... Look, every club goes through one, so you can't kind of go around blaming the medical staff. But either way, it's not great preparation going into a game as much as on paper Bayern Munich are you know are clearly superior to Porto Porto were dangerous as they showed um you know they pressed Bar- or they pressed Bayern Munich early on and paid dividends and there were a lot of like fairly char- un- uncharacteristic errors from the Bayern Munich defense particularly Dante but uh you look overall I actually don't know if I could if I would actually confidently say Bayern Munich would come back they have the capabilities but the fact is Porto are dangerous and they ha- they also have a two goal gap so it's uh, you know Porto could easily maybe especially particularly if Porto can get a goal you might actually fancy them to just uh, pull off or at least complete one of the biggest shocks at this stage of the competition
6: It does seem like Pep is going down the Homer Simpson line of this is everybody's fault but mine by blaming medical staff members I mean I don't think I've ever heard a manager do that.
8: Well, he's rolled back a little bit. There was a of there was a video there was a video clip uh, that kind of came out or a vine um, more so kind of showing about six seconds after I think I remember which goal, which Porto goal, but he was basically clapping and it seemed to be you know sarcastically at somebody on the bench who I think many people believe it was actually members of the medical team. But Guardiola since kind of come out and said that it wasn't aimed at the staff that he was just. Uh, Showing his disappointment in general, which I don't buy. The you look, you actually look at that video clip. You look at the yeah. way. You look at the.
6: Sounds like the implosive personality yeah. who would fit very nicely at Manchester City, actually.
8: Well, look, there, there's some of the pieces are in place. There, there's a couple yeah. of ex-Barcelona kind of technical directors that are that are there. And uh, in fairness, Bar, or, Bar, or sorry, he's Master a good did.
6: manager, but it, it just seems to be going awry. And I have to say, I'm not fond of this kind of stuff when he's when he's you know blaming his his medical team or blaming others you're you're the manager the buck stops with you
8: Yeah uh, but that's what he did say in the press conference then uh, when he was claiming that the sarcastic okay. applause wasn't in fact sarcastic or aimed at anybody in particular but look uh, he's more than capable as a manager he's probably the best manager on the planet at the moment uh, regardless of that first leg result so he is more than capable of finding a solution I just don't know if it's going to be enough against a Porto team that's shown that they're very, very dangerous.
6: OK, but let's talk about Wednesday night because the games there look a lot tighter. Real Madrid against Atletico Madrid, scoreless going into the game at the Bernabeu. And Garth Bale looks like he could be out because he picked up an injury at the weekend.
8: Yeah, although a lot of Real Madrid fans probably won't mourn that for very, very strange reasons, just because they're not sound, as you probably have seen clips of them like attacking his car yeah. or you know, giving out about him. Mm. Despite the fact uh, he played an important role last season, but look, Atletico they've they've been generally superior to Real in head-to-head matches in the la- over the last kind of six or seven games, apart from last week's first leg where Real Madrid probably should have should have gone there and won because they uh, you know Atletico their performance was very very strange. It didn't seem as intense as it normally would be. It was very very long ball orientated, which okay, fair enough, you can expect maybe against Real Madrid, but still, I. It just didn't seem as you know powerful, or as like like there wasn't the same plan that there always has been in their previous games against Real. But look, they're away from home. The pressure is probably going to be slightly on Real. So you know, if Atletico score, it makes it very very difficult for Real Madrid, and especially if they can nullify Ronaldo, who doesn't really contribute much in general play when chances aren't falling his way.
6: Monaco hosting Juventus. They're one 0 down going into this yes. match.
8: I would fancy Juventus to finish the job. You know, Why? But, well, look, they've won. They've pretty much sewed up uh, the Scudetto, or the Italian league, as as it's also known. But that means they can concentrate on the Champions League. And the fact they already have a one goal lead means, you know, that and the fact that Monaco, apart from a, a, a recent spell and also kind of uh, the match the first leg against Arsenal don't score a heap of goals so I would fancy Juve with their strong defence as well their decent midfield and the fact they have Tevez up front to finish the job off
6: When can we catch
8: up with Team 33 this week? Uh, Tuesday midnight a podcast obviously comes out beforehand and then we're on Friday 11 as well
6: Okay, Raf Diallo, thanks for joining us on the Monday Rewind. Well, that's it for now, folks. Don't forget to join us again next Monday when we look back on the Premier League weekend. Chelsea against Arsenal, I guess, is the highlight of next Sunday, and that will be live on Off the Ball. Cork taking on Dublin in the Alliance League football final. We'll review that, and we'll have more on the Pro 12 as it ticks towards the end. Uh, Remember, you can contact us at Monday Rewind at Newstalk.com. Until next Monday, goodbye and good luck. The Monday Rewind.
1: Oh, it's a gradual pass from Madigan, and Brian Urbana's away, and Brian Uban is going to
2: score. We, we led for large parts of it, you know, we, we dominated for large parts of it, and um, we probably played more rugby than they did, but, you know, the scoreboard says different.
3: I think we deserve to go through. We're going to the final the end of May, we can't wait. I just think having belief in ourselves,
4: I think we caused Liverpool lots of problems today. I think that's come from the manager, instilled a lot of belief in the team. And I think if you look at the overall game, chances created, I think we have to win the game. So
7: they have good energy in
2: the team, and you know they obviously playing with maybe less free, you know a wee bit more freedom, sorry.
7: Um, but now overall, I thought they were they were better than us.
4: You can't be giving yourself big leads to take back like that, but you know it's a league we find it at the end of the day. And it- still to just thrilled to get over this when I get to a final. And I thought they showed great character. Even if we lost by a point or two in the end there, we were just we thrilled to the second half to stay.
6: Turn in the by Colin Dunford, turns, runs towards goal, Dunford from the 20, goal
7: for
5: Waterford, what a finish from Colin Dunford! Derek has kind of instilled a, well, a, a quite a lot of belief and a, a, a quite a lot of resilience also, you know, but we knew it was going to be a massive test and we knew that we were going to get a few goals because traditionally TIP are, are very good at creating opportunities and, you know, and putting teams away. So. We were well prepared and well aware of their ability up front.